Recovery is stupendous. Achievable. Hope. Freedom. 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 Empowering. It's unique to everyone. It's a journey, not a destination. Getting a new lease on life. Finding restoration after you fall down. Recovery is having the freedom to enjoy life. For me, it was finding a way to really love myself. My recovery is possible in part because of my own sense of purpose. Hello and welcome to another Recovery Talks podcast. I'm Andy Daniel, social media coordinator for MPN, and I'm here with Lori Pope. She's a certified behavioral health peer support specialist working out of Hamilton. Welcome, Lori. Good morning. Lori, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? I'm Lori. I'm a person in long-term recovery, and what that means to me is that um, since 2005, I haven't had to use or be committed into any institution since 2013. I have struggled with mental health my entire life, so I was very bound up with Winds of Change, which is a mental health center in Missoula, Montana. And I am a returning citizen, and I was invited to a STEM, which is a sequential intercept mapping coordinating meeting. And I was the first returning citizen that they had ever had on one of these boards. And I spoke because what I was hearing from all of the people, sheriffs, judges, all across the board and all across the board's mental health side, I had used every service while I was out there using. And what I was hearing wasn't right. It just didn't blend well with me. So I I got the courage and I spoke up and they listened to me. They listened to this person who who was new in recovery, didn't, you know, had no self-esteem. I didn't think that I mattered at all at this point because of what I was, what I was a survivor of, but they did and they listened and they asked questions and they wanted to know. And so that sparked this huge fire in me. I met uh, with a person who told me about peer support, that there was this thing called peer support and communities needed it. And it spoke to me and I knew that's what I wanted to do. And I heard about Montana Star Network. So I've been working as a peer support specialist now for going on five years. I started in a mental health setting. I moved over to a harm reduction center, and now I'm working in an addiction center down in Hamilton where I grew up. My passion really lies with people who have survived addiction, people who are experiencing homelessness. My main focus today and where my passion really lies is the folks who are experiencing life within the criminal justice system anywhere along those those intercepts. You've recently experienced a, a pretty dark time. Can you describe that? Yeah. So last April, I was working a job that really, it really hit a lot of my trauma, my deep-seated trauma. I was working with people who were really living in survival mode, and it brought back a lot of memories. I worked for 
an agency that their hearts and souls were were to service the the folks that that needed the most vulnerable folks, but they didn't really understand mental health and how it all plays a part in all of the factors that I had survived. I I lost focus, and it kind of started me on this 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 spiral. And at first, it wasn't a big deal. I thought, okay, I you know I I wasn't. I wasn't backing my, I wasn't living in my recovery. I was letting my mental health take over. I kept spiraling. I ended up cutting my my job down to part-time, which to me, that's a big stab to my self-esteem when I'm not working and trying to take what I, my passion down into a town that didn't really want it. I ended up not taking care of myself. And lost my home and got wrecked my car and my family issues were not looking great and I started to go down that rabbit hole that I think we're all really familiar with and at that point I I wasn't there was no stopping it I was going to my therapist I was um, going to my meetings. I was working. I was volunteering a lot. My time was being spent on others and not on myself. I got to a place not very long ago where, first off, before I get there, I want to say drugs isn't where I want to go when I hit that rabbit hole. That is just such a minor part of my story. So I'm going down this rabbit hole and where I go is to a place where I just don't want to be anymore. I just don't want to exist. I have no value. I have no purpose. I, seven years almost into, into this journey of mine, lost my home because I couldn't pay my bills. I got in an accident and couldn't fix my car because I can't afford insurance. And all of that chaos was starting to feel really good until I made that call and I wanted to die. I literally was in a place where I wanted to to stop, just stop everything. It was a scary, scary time. How did you maintain your recovery through all of those hardships? I was doing the very bare minimum of my action plan. I have a an action plan that I've I've coordinated through RAP and I live by that action plan. It's it's one of my biggest tools in my wellness box. Like I said, I was hanging on. And in in my journey, in my mental health journey, I get to a place where if I ignore it, it'll go away and makes my life easier in the moment. But that wasn't working. It felt as though I was in a mental health relapse. And I really felt a lot of shame for that. My therapist, she has been a part of my journey since 2005 when I first entered into the first time I attempted mental health recovery. She knows me. And she is part of my action plan. 
she's she is part of that crisis plan. She asked me that question: Do you feel like you are in relapse? And I told her, I was so angry because I was telling her, I can't use, you don't understand, I can't. I can't, I can't use no matter what. Doesn't anybody understand that? I can't use. Because a lot of the people who know me instantly go to, are you going to use? Are you going to use? And that was feeding into that anger, that invisibleness that people don't understand me. No, I'm not going to use. That's I can't. That's not even part of it. Don't you understand? And I and I was ranting and I was ranting and I was telling. This is what I told Stacy. No, I'm not in a relapse. I used my call list. I called you. I came here and I called you and I told you my stuff and I told you my fear and I told you where I was coming from. No, I'm not in a relapse. I had a friend who was on my action plan who saw the red flag, who gently reminded me, Lori, I see your red flags. And this is what we agreed to. Can you please do this for me? Can you please call Stacy? And I did. I did. And at that moment, that moment saved my life, I think. Because... I listened to my words that I had written down in my action plan that I had written in my crisis plan so I didn't have to end hit that bottom of that rabbit hole. There was that hand. And the beautiful part, it was my hand that reached me up out of that hole and said, you've got this girl because you have a plan. And you're using it. And that's how I survived it. That's how I survived. That's wonderful. You know, we've talked about recovery planning and that it's not just a crisis plan, right? It's sort of a daily living kind of plan. It is. It's a daily living plan. I very much, as a peer support specialist and a person in recovery, live by the guiding principles and the eight dimensions of wellness. I teach it, and I can't, I can't share that with others unless I really live in that. Part of my plan is the RAP plan. I learned about it so early into my peer support experience, and it just made sense. And Michelle Lewis, who, who taught me, oh, what a blessing, she modeled it so well for me when she um, was experiencing her own trauma and sadness by losing someone close to her. I knew it was it would work. I knew that this is something that would work. And I'm a very visual person, so I have to see that it works in others before I really believe that it's going to work with me. So, yeah, I'm, I have a wrap plan. It's part of my wellness toolbox. I live in it. I, I talk about it. I, it's one of those things now where it's just part of my story. It's part of my story. Rap and 
my wellness toolbox is part of my story. My my rabbit hole adventures are part of my story. I I reached out to a lot of people for support, and I was very ashamed of my situation. And I was expecting, you know, when you see those comments on some of the threads that just bash people who experience trauma in their life or who are struggling with mental health, and that's what I expected, but I didn't. I got, you are strong and you are a light in this world. And I finally believed it again. Today I believe that I am light in the world. I have a purpose. You talked about that you were doing the bare minimum of your recovery plan at one point. I find mm-hmm. it interesting that you were able to maintain any of that recovery plan, actually. Can you tell me what the, me too. those little bare minimum things were, some examples of those? Yes, I kept in contact. I, I was showing up to my my counseling meetings. That's like one of the last things. When I start pulling my counseling appointments, you know, code blue, code blue, um, I was managing to keep that. And I was hitting, I'm a 12-stepper, so I was hitting a meeting maybe once, twice, three times a month. You know, just just keeping my toe in there. I was really giving up myself. I was filling my time with work. And I was only working part-time. <laughs> but my head and my action was filled with work. Work, work, work. Help these people. Help anybody you can. Because you can't help yourself right now. So I didn't make time for it. I didn't. I just didn't allow myself time for anything else, which was not a, a good choice because it, it took me down that rabbit hole. Like I said, I wasn't able to maintain that minimal, my minimal tools of recovery for very long. The red flag started happening probably back, probably about a year ago. The action plan started taking effect probably three months ago. You mentioned that someone noticed those red flags and said, hey, what's going on with you? And I think that that's something that Jim and I have talked about in recovery planning, that you have to share that plan with other people. It's very intimate. It's a very, a very vulnerable, intimate thing, a relationship thing that happens when you're sharing your most vulnerable time with someone else. That's that's very scary, and you, I'm fortunate enough to have people in my life that I trust that much, that know me that that um, I've allowed, who's seen my transparency, who's, who's seen my authentic self, who knows my baseline and has seen me at my worst. So when when this person, she's a very good friend of mine, she's been, we raised our kids together, she saw me go into a panic and, she's, and she knows. 
and she told me to pull over. And now I've done this with her so many times. So many times I've done this with her. And she was giving me back some of the tools that I had been teaching her. She told me to pull over. She told me to take some deep breaths. She told me to call the first person on my my list, which is somebody in the program, to call Stacy. And she did the most amazing thing. She asked me, name, tell me five things you can see. Tell me four things that you can touch right here in this vicinity. Three things you can hear, two things you can smell, and one feeling that your body feels. It was amazing. That was such a beautiful gift. It was a gift that I give. And when you get those gifts back, when you're out of your mind, you know, and you know they work, it's super powerful. It's super powerful. It's like a, like a slap of light all across your face saying, you, you remember this, right? You remember this. I, I want to say, while I was in that dark place, when I wanted to, to admit myself to a crisis house, I, that's one of, that's like the end point for me. I had, was going through all of the things that I had done and all of the tools that I had used. That gave me such confidence that even in my darkest hours, even when I don't think that I have anything left in me, I do. I do. And it takes a lot of vulnerability on my part to let people know how to help me through it. Something else I found interesting in uh, what you said is that said, you know, stop, you need to think about what's going on. You said you had it in your own words. They were your own words speaking back to you. And yeah. I think that is so powerful. So many times we end up in crisis and then it becomes a clinical write a safety plan or, you know, whatever. And it's not necessarily your voice. It's something that you do because you were told to do it. Correct. Right. So when it's a safety plan in your words and it's yourself telling yourself what to do, that is very powerful. It was very powerful. It was one of those spiritual aha moments for sure. What else did you learn from your experience? And and can you tell me a little bit more about how you're going to sort of pay that forward or, or share it with the people that you work with? I'm on the real big side of people see me as, an, as a person in recovery from addiction. And, and that's how most people see me in my world, because that's where my support started. But I am above and everything else. I'm a mental health survivor. Everything that has, that has ever lied in my past has been because of my mental illness. What this taught me was I really need to slow down. Part of recovery is getting to feel our feelings again, getting to, to relearn different uh, coping skills that didn't work very good for us in the past. I need to 
I need to be vigilant about that. Um, these little steps, big steps backwards, they sometimes need to happen for me because I forget. I forget. I forget my origins. You know, I forget how painful stuff gets. And I, I need to be reminded of that because what I do is share that pain and how I've been able to walk through life and heal it. By this experience, when, when I was asked to do a podcast, I was blown away at the timing because I wanted a voice to share this experience. I feel like this experience is very important for what we do. If we wanted to, if we want to be peer support specialists long term, we we do really hard stuff, and we aren't educated in a college about how to not self-disclose and not and how to make ourselves that shield between the trauma that our clients are experiencing and, and ourselves. That's not who we are. We do experience that trauma. We do share that trauma, that icky, that dark. You know, I can't share it if I don't know how to prevent it from happening again. Because I'll get there. I'll go back there. And I'll join join in, you know. I want to be a strength. I want to be a voice. I'm very open about my experience. I've been very open about it on social media. I think that's a really big tool. People who follow me follow my ups and downs. They see that just because I am in recovery doesn't mean that my life is golden. Like, we have to work on it every single day, including myself. I can't preach to the choir if I'm not doing it myself. I think that's very important. I, I hope that people who listen to this hear something in their own story that might trigger, oh yeah, I need to remember that that's in my toolbox and and maybe reevaluate what they have in their toolbox and reintroduce themselves to it because we have a ton. We have a ton from our training, from our experiences, from our, from our survival skills to sharing to others. I mean, we've got it. We're, we do. And and I want everyone to be successful because what we do is so beautiful. And I believe in it so much with all my heart and soul. And I wouldn't be able to do that if I, if I didn't go through dark times and didn't use my tools to get out of them. Work is a really, a really um, rewarding factor in my life. A suggestion from my, my, my therapist, we worked out a plan for me to cut down to part-time because I needed to take a step back for myself. That was part of my safety plan. I needed to take a self, I needed some self-care. I needed to do something different. So I worked concerts this summer along with part-time peer support. Oh, that was so much fun, but the concerts ended. And instead of filling my time with self-care, like I said, I jumped into volunteering. I really needed to step back and, and focus on, I can't work in all of the fields that peer supports can work in. I have to stay focused now. 
I'm I'm far enough in it that my best actions are um, if I keep a narrow field, and my field is my passion, my focus is the criminal justice system, which is proving to be really hard and really awesome at the same time because I get to learn like this new language and new like acronyms and it's a different set of egos. Now that's what I'm focusing on. And I'm not so much focusing on trying to save all the people who are experiencing homelessness or pushing my my experience into a community that isn't ready for it. You know, I'm trying to take it slow, slow down, Lori, slow down, Lori. Keep moving forward, but you don't have to do it at, you know, a pace so fast that it burns you out. Slow down. Slow down. Focus. Self-care. Take care of me. I have to take care of me. It's one of the first things we learn in recovery, right? Yeah. We have to put ourselves first. I stopped doing that. I put work first, and it's really hard for me not to do that. That's that's a really big, that's how I've lived my life for a long time, and it did work. And so I have to be very vigilant. You know, I'll see, my, I'll see Stacey now twice a week, three times a week, if I have to. You know, to, to pull me out, I was. I did see her three times a week once. <laughs> yeah, so I just really want to stress, you know, let's keep ourselves in in the forefront of our own recovery. Let's keep ourselves strong and yet vulnerable, goofy, yet serious, you know, loving, kind, passionate, truthful, honest, strong. Like, let's be all of those things. And we can't do that without putting us first. That is a wonderful way to end a podcast. <laughs> Perfect. So thanks for joining me, Lori. Thanks for asking me. That was, like I said, that was perfect timing. <laughs> I really wanted to share this. I really wanted to share this with people. Because I can't be the only one who, who struggles with this. Right. And I so appreciate your willingness to you know, sort of be vulnerable with us and, and talk about those difficult times. I, I think it really gives people hope that you can go through something like that and still come out on the other side in a good place. Stronger. Yeah. Come out stronger. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Andy. Thanks for joining us for another Recovery Talks podcast. If you're interested in being a guest, just send us an email. Uh, you can email me at andy, A-N-D-I, at mtpeernetwork.org. Have a great week. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works. Recovery is possible. Recovery is possible. <laughs> recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery.